When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello, Kulays. Welcome to Barca Talk. I'm your host, Gabriel Quiroga, here in the Spanish capital. And joining me today is Craig McGuff in the UK. Craig, how's it going? Really good. Really good. Yourself? Yeah, not bad. I'm back in Madrid after my my jaunt, as we were just briefly talking about before we recorded. I'm back in Madrid. Happy to be back in Madrid. I had a good summer traveling around France and Barcelona, ultimately. But happy to be back. How's your summer going? Yeah, really good. Mixed bag. So in general, really, really good. But my seven-year-old has got into Star Wars, um, mm. which is potentially my least favorite thing in the world that isn't Manuel <laughs> Real Madrid. So that's been a challenge. Um, I was quite enjoying the the Marvel stuff, but we're now into a Star Wars phase. But yeah, really good, mate. Actually, weather's been great here in the UK. Um, really good downtime. Work's been good. Getting fit, doing CrossFit. And then obviously now the football's back. So yeah, yeah. it's all candy cane and candy canes and rainbows in my life. Yeah, we were just talking briefly too that we're both trying to get back into football. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm really excited to try to take that as my active initiative for the rest of 2022. I'm going to get some new boots because uh, I realized that my boots are not up to par. So I'm excited to get some new boots, and then hopefully with that, we'll just um, my goal is to try to play once a week every Saturday. So that's my that's my goal. So. Nice. You I have to keep us informed I, with their yeah, yeah. Will Weiss yeah, yeah, for sure. I uh, I played in Paris a pickup game with some friends there, and you know, as we were talking before, it just feels so good to touch the ball, and yeah. even even better when I scored the first goal. I scored the first goal, and I'm like, still got it, still got it, <laughs> captain. <laughs> well, Barcelona have started. Uh, we haven't recorded in a while, and mm-hmm. they've played three matches. They've had some. Uh, you know, against Rio was a little bit up and down, but I think the last two matches have definitely had Kule's more excited. But before we get into some of the themes that we want to talk about from the first three matches, the Champions League draw happened on Friday. We are in the group of death. How are you feeling about this group? I mean, you know, from the WhatsApp uh, communication that I was showing that I'm, I'm very nervous about this draw. Mm. Uh, I think it's going to be between Barcelona and Inter for that second spot, obviously. But, you know, I... I don't want to get too excited from from tonight's performance against against Bayer the lead, but again, we are trending in a positive way. But Champions League is such a different animal, and against Bayern and Inter, I just think it's going to be so tough for us to win the group. What are your thoughts initially on the Champions League draw? Yeah, it's it's something that I'm softening to the 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 more we've you know the more time has passed since the draw when the draw first came out and it was Bayern. I found. Worrying, obviously, um, but a, a little boring, maybe. Like, it wasn't out-and-out out fear at first. It was just like, oh, again, you know. Um, 
not many of those pot A, uh, is it pot A or pot one? Pot A. There's not, not many of them pot A teams are, are terrible. So it was, it was more a bit of a, I wanted a change. But when Inter came out, I was thinking to myself, ah, oh, it's not what I needed. But um, I watched a fair bit of them the other night and I'm not going to base anything off one game, but they looked a bit poor. We're, we're looking really good. And I think for me, the biggest thing that I think makes this group different to what it would have been for potentially any of the last five years, maybe, is that we now look like we can score goals. The problem we've had in the past in Champions League is that I've never been convinced that we won't concede and I've never been convinced that we won't score. And really, if you break football down to its core components, you, them two things aren't good, right? So I think I'm actually relatively calm considering on the day of the draw in the, and in the WhatsApp group, I was a bit nervous. Um, the formats are very weird. It's basically a three team group right because pills are not going to do anything and you only need to win what you need to, you need to win twice against inter and you're through irrespective and you if you take something from one of the buying games you're probably all right so i'm actually all right about it how about you i'm just nervous about i guess the away matches those are mm-hmm. the ones that still get me nervous i think we'll be okay at home but i i you know i still think like the pills in match away is going to be tough for us i just i just think it is just because for them, it's going to be their, you know, hosting these super teams, right? Hosting Bayern and ourselves. The crowd is going to be really into it. And we have not shown in recent form our waveform in Champions League to be very good. We always look as though we are, you know, slow. Uh, we always look like we don't know what to do. We eventually pull out some victories, but they're not always the most convincing. And so that's why I just think it's going to be a difficult you know, draw with this with these groups and especially against Inter because I think Inter are very good and uh, I think we'll have a tough time going there in Milan. But again, you know, as we've seen, you know, October is going to be a very tough month for Barcelona. It's all about your recent form and who knows what happens. And obviously we'll have to take it, you know, obviously four games at a time, essentially going through and, and measuring to see how we'll go through it. But again, uh, I'm just curious to see how Xavi's going to address some of these away matches because that's ultimately where we have suffered in Champions League in recent years. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, you know, the Champions League is always a bit of an unknown until you start playing games and you see and see what's what. But I think, you know, and obviously we're going to come on to talk about the, the games we've had so far this season. Um, but I think we look a different beast this season. And I think Xavi looks a very different beast. I think you can see his gesticulation. That's a big word. Uh, on the sidelines. <laughs> and, um, you know, for anyone that thought he might be a bit of a an artisan, is maybe mm. the word. I'm, it might not be right, but it's the closest I can think of. I think it's very, he, he is a taskmaster. I mean, and it seems like no one is immune to to his wrath when things aren't going right. So I think, you know, if we if we look at last season as a very tumultuous one for everyone, including Xavi, building a squad, you know, a lot of churning players. There was a comment made in commentary today. We're probably watching different feeds. I'm assuming, I think you put in the chat, you were on zone. I was watching Premier mm-hmm. Sports in the UK. Not sure if it's the same one that they're sharing cross-platform, mm-hmm. but there was a comment made in commentary around the amount of big names that weren't starting. And it just, it just shows the, the, the change in the team that we've got this year. So I think, I think I'm a lot more confident now than I would have been last year, obviously. But I think we've got some big names in there, some big leaders. I think even if they're not playing, the likes of PK Alba, Sergio Roberto, Testegen, Lewandowski's massive for this. You've got a lot of players that have experienced this stuff before. And I think in Xavi, we've got someone that seen and done everything, clearly doesn't suffer fools. I think we're seeing a very different system to what we've had in the past in terms of um, 
speed, movement. We haven't seen it in a long time. I, I think we'll be okay. Like, I genuinely don't think it's out of the equation that we win the group. I, I really don't. I also don't think it's, any, it's out of the equation that it goes down just to purely to the games against Inter. I think everything is everything is to play for. And I think from where we were maybe November, December last year, that's, just, that's staggering, really. Yeah, and I think also, like you said, those first games, because I really want to see us go after, like, especially when we go against Pills and, like, going 6 nothing. you know, that type of mm. really, you know, putting the, the pedal to the metal and showing, okay, look, we're here yeah. uh, to really make damage into this tournament because I feel like a lot of times, you know, previous as well, we've kind of eased into the tournament, and I think now we just really have to go after and get those victories as soon as possible because the worst thing you can do is have everything depend on the last night. You know, and and have everyone nervous going there. But again, we'll see. October is going to be a big month, obviously, with the Classico and all the different uh, vital La Liga matchups that Mm -hmm. we have. And then on top of that with Champions League as well. Correct. Next thing, Craig, I want to discuss is the Netflix documentary about the Figo affair. Have you seen it yet? I don't know if you had time to see it. I haven't, and I probably won't, even though I know you're about to give it a glowing reference. Oh, my gosh. No, no, you got to see it. You got to see it. It'll just annoy me. No, no, no. It won't annoy you. It won't annoy you. It's just, look, I, you know, one of the things that I want to take away from, I'm not trying to take Figo's side in this. I mean, obviously Figo did what he wanted to do and all that stuff. (laughs) Please don't. But to me, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But to me, it's just fascinating how, as I tweeted this as well, I said, the first thing that came out of me was how close Florentino Perez is like Michael Corleone. The way (laughs) he, he orchestrated his rise to presidency and able mm. to construct the Figo sign on stuff is absolutely masterclass and brilliant. I mean, when you look at it just from a straight like mafia style takeover kind of thing, it's fantastic. The other thing too, that leaves me bitter as well is just how we treat our once in a lifetime generational superstars unceremoniously. And it, it just continue. I mean, I understand the Figo thing is completely different, but you know, as all, players want they want love respect and of course a pay rise and i just think that you know these are very basic things especially when you're talking about the world player of the year ballon d'or winner figo like we couldn't really satisfy that like we couldn't do anything to keep him because ultimately he goes to madrid and helps them win titles when barcelona basically have like the worst run gaspar gets fired you know or he loses you know gets outed basically and you know i just i'm just curious because you know when I think of all these players at Barcelona have chance, you know, we've had, you know, Ronaldo for one season and we couldn't make that happen, right? And he just leaves. And then all of a sudden, Figo, Ronaldinho, and even with Messi, right? Like the whole Messi saga of how it went, we just continue to treat these generational stars like, eh, you know, whatever. I mean, it's I can't it. think of it. I like, for Sorry. example, really quick, really quick, like the only ones that were done right, I think, were Xavi and Iniesta, but they basically retired on their last season and not renewed the contract, you know? So that was kind of a different situation, but I don't know. Those are my quick thoughts about the documentary. The documentary is fascinating just to see how all the things happen. And of course, I'm always amazed how they have this documentary footage and also the, the games at the camp. No, were off the chain in 2000. Like people are smoking, people are drinking. Like it's, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it just had like this, this like gladiator feel to the, to the yeah, matches yeah, yeah. that I don't think it does anymore, but it's, I mean, I highly recommend it for any Kool-Aid. It's awesome just to see, to get a snapshot of 2000, the year 2000 uh, of what was going on here in Madrid and Barcelona. I think what I'll do two things for me. Number one, I think what I'll do, so I'm the UK is kind of open up again, as I'm sure everywhere is, but I've started to travel for work quite a lot more. I work 
as we all know, I work in tech, but I work in the financial services industry. So London, uh, unfortunately, because I'm not a big fan of London, but London is a destination for me now quite a lot. So I'll watch it on the train because no matter how annoyed I get at Figo, I'll be much more annoyed at the UK rail services. Uh, so it'll, it won't be as bad as it could be. The other thing for me, do you think in terms of like sliding doors moments? Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. In the history, obviously, De Stefano should have played for Barcelona. Mm. Ended up ended up going to Madrid due to politics and uh, you know putting guns to officials' heads. Sure, sure. Which will have which will have that effect on transfers. Worth reading about that story <laughs> if anyone's unfamiliar with it. And then, but if you look at Figo as well, Figo leaves Barca for Madrid. They win a, they win a load of trophies. Do you think? Do you think there's similarities between those two players moving and almost the changing of the guard and the success that followed, or do you think it's purely coincidental? It's interesting because when they put it in the documentary that way about these, you know, this that five-year run essentially that Figo when he was on Madrid, that obviously started the Galactical project and they won the mm. Champions League and so forth. I don't know. It's it's hard to say that it's just a one-to-one thing, but I definitely think it helped. You know, it definitely pushed it uh, that momentum further. I don't know if you can just easily say that. Yeah, it's because of Figo went there, but man, you know, when he was on Barcelona, he was, you know, an incredible player, and him. With Rivaldo, you know, the the attack of that was just incredible. And again, I just don't understand how Gaspar couldn't have made it work, mm. especially when you when you try to keep these once, you know, these generational type players, you know, it's just crazy. And again, I don't think it's just as, you know, in sports, there's so many uh, variables that come in yeah. that it's really hard to do the one to one relationship. But I definitely think it definitely helped push in that in that mm. direction for sure <laughs> yeah because yeah, yeah. like you know what one team gets a net gain the other team gets a net loss and it just maximizes both because of the opposite effect right it's, it's just interesting the way these things play out sometimes so i will watch it um i'll tell you know i'm being a little bit facetious i will watch it yeah and i'll watch it with an open mind as well i'll watch it and i'll try and not have prejudice but it is something that even though i wasn't a Barca fan at the time it's still something that rankles with me and i don't know why where yeah. is Et- etu going the other way yeah 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 don't mind. No, I, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? And yeah, loud drop, don't mind. You know, it's not the yeah, only yeah, one, yeah. It's, just, it's just something about it. But anyway, let's not dwell on that too much. I will watch it and I'll take your recommendation. Yeah, I'll, I'm curious to hear you after you watch it, what you think. So, all right, so we've had these three matches. Barcelona, mm. uh, you know, want to talk about some of these things that were kind of seen in these first matches. And I think the first thing, especially in tonight's match against Via the Lead, is the amount of speed that Barcelona has now. And I think, you know, it is one of those things when you're watching now, it comes off the screen. And Mm -hmm. I think that also helps with the dynamism that we have 
Whereas before, I think we were just really methodical, obviously with the possession, with Messi and so forth. We were almost walking all the time. Yeah. And now with Rapinha and Dembele on the wings, we're just going. And I think that's one of the major changes that, like you said, Xavi, in one of his taskmaster duties is to really push the tempo of this Barcelona team. Mm-hmm. How are your feelings about the wing play with the speed of Barcelona this season? It's night and day. And I think the biggest thing that jumps out to me, and it's based on speed, but initially it doesn't, it didn't grab me as speed, was for the first time in a few years, Camp Nou now looks massive again. It looks huge. And, you know, there was times last year where we were crying out, probably quite repetitive for listeners, where we're saying, just give me width, give me width and use it. And I feel like we're seeing that again. And speed is the key to that. So it definitely comes back to that point. But it's not just speed of personnel. Like we've got some very, very quick players now, you know, Rafinha Dembele, um, who's been great, actually. We'll come on to him later, I'm sure. Um, But it's the speed of transition, the speed of moving the ball. We're no longer playing triangles in order to, Played triangles. We're now playing triangles so we can spin a longer pass. And it always reminds me of the, of the Johan Cruyff quote. My dad used to drill it into me when he managed our, our football team. And he was like, the ball is quicker than all of you. So let the ball do the work. And we're now seeing that again. And it's kind of very, it's very textbook Barca, isn't it? It's, it's the Barca that probably all of us fell in love with. And we're seeing it again. So yeah, I think the, the speed in everything that we're doing, including how quick our back four is nowadays. It's it's truly noticeable. See, I, I'm I'm enamored with it. How about you? Yeah, yeah, I'm. I feel the same way. And I have here in my notes, I said are Rahu and Conde the fastest center backs. I have in La Liga, no. but I'm just thinking about Europe. You know, the the. I mean, Conde, man, I am so excited for him to finally be registered to play because he's going yeah. to be him and Rahu are just specimens. They're just specimens. Mm-hmm. And the way they're able to cover, I mean, I definitely want them to play as center backs because I think that's our strongest up the middle. So let's be defensive there. And I like I would sacrifice the speed on the right, but whatever. We'll we'll talk about that in our mm-hmm. in one of our next topics here. But again, the speed is all over Balde as well with that recovery speed that he has. I mean, we know that Alba is fast, but he's not Balde fast, you know. And and you could just see the youth of Balde and the legs, you know, it just doesn't have the wear and tear like Alba does. And you can just see, you know, especially in tonight's match against Valladolid, how many times there were like counters on Balde's side, like two or three times. And I felt 100% confidence that he was going to outrun to get to the ball. And just like you said, let the ball do the work. And I think it's twofold. I think also Lewandowski occupying the middle so much better than we have before has really opened the width, you know, and also we're playing those triangles to go into space from midfield. Right, we're not waiting to go all the way down to the end to work our way. We're trying to use that speed, especially with Rapinha and Dembele. You brought up Rapinha. Let's talk about him. I mean, have you, you know, we were both kind of on the fence a little bit. I think in the summertime yeah. about his transfer, just because we didn't know how well he was going to scale up, right, with this team. But obviously, we can definitely say that he's definitely been performing really well. He's definitely using his opportunities, especially with the assist tonight with Lewandowski with the crossing. Your initial feelings about Rapinha so far? He's looked incredible. He's, you know, and I, th- I think, you know, for anyone that's listened long enough while I've been doing this, like I'm a bit of a cynic. It takes a lot to win me over. And then I'm once I'm in, I'm all in. Hashtag Sergio Roberto. Um, so I, I, I generally try and stay quite level on, on players until I've seen enough because I don't want to look like an idiot. But I think he's been outstanding. Every time I've seen him play, he's done something. Now, he's not always necessarily had an assist. He's not got, but he's done something that makes me think, yeah, I want you in my team, not theirs. Um, 
The only thing that stood out to me tonight negatively, and granted, this is like a snapshot in time and who knows what it was. He looked pretty annoyed about getting taken off. Yeah. And that's something that I just think that if harnessed could be a great quality, if that gets, that's not going to go down well in in, in, in a front six that is going to have to rotate. So I think that needs just to be kept a little bit of an eye on, but hopefully it's just him keen to impress, thought he was playing well, which he was. But in terms of in terms of his play's been outstanding, I actually think I actually think having someone that is competing directly with Dembele is having a direct effect on Dembele as well, because it means that if someone's doing what your game is and they're doing it well, you can't really go missing. Whereas mm-hmm. in the past, being the one that could run fast seemingly was enough to get to get a pass for Dembele. So I actually think it's another classic case of putting good players around good players makes those players better. So, so far for me, major pass marks. Your opinion? Yeah, I've been I've been definitely impressed. He just it's one of those things where he comes off the screen right with the tempo and the rhythm that he has. You automatically notice him when he has the ball and the movement he does. You know, sometimes you know he does the typical kind of too much dancing for me as a Brazilian. Sometimes you know, there's a couple plays tonight where he was trying to make like a mix one video, you know, kind of like trying to make those, <laughs> those, uh, those moves. But I, you know, I, I definitely, she was yeah, calling him skip to Malu. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but I mean, I think for, for the most part, like you said, the competition of all six, right. And I think the, you know, with, like you said, with Dembele being pushed, you can definitely see that he's, he seems mm-hmm. to be more concentrated when he does have to play. He still has the same moments, you know, a couple moments there where he loses possession and doesn't have, 100% concentration all the time, but you can see, uh, for example, he's trying to take more shots, trying to be more mm-hmm. active in goal scoring, which is definitely a good thing. But again, see, that's just... Inter- sorry, just to clearly know the start, I'm really sorry to cross you. It's really interesting you said that because one of my things was going to be, like one thing that jumped out to me was Dembele made mistakes tonight, but I didn't see him have a lapse in concentration. I saw him misplace passes and I saw him lose the ball, but every single time he, he made a quote-unquote mistake, the thing that jumped out to me about Dembele, and this is my point about Rafinha, I think, improving him, is that I, I, every time I, I thought, I know what you're trying to do there. You haven't executed it, but I know what you were trying to achieve. Whereas the amount of times last season where I would say, I, I literally don't know what he was oh, thinking okay. when he tried that. I don't know if it was a pass. I don't know if it was a shot. I don't know what he's trying to achieve. <laughs> Whereas today it was like, he might have missed hit a pass, but it was a sensible pass. He's trying to beat a man and it hasn't come off. I'm all right with that. I am okay, okay. with that. I actually thought Dembele's decision-making tonight was pretty much faultless even though he lost the ball because he will do. So I, I, I actually thought that was that was a, a big step up for him, but, you know, happy to give him yeah. opinion, right? Well, I, yeah. Well, I mean, just one of my pet peeves of playing is when players make lazy passes or bad passes when all they have to do. And so that, to me, is a something that jumps off of me. So he makes a bad pass when he either had to, like, go backwards or just make it a stronger hit. That, to yeah. me, annoys me. So that's why I say concentration that. But you're right. You know, it's definitely – not as problematic as it was last season where we were like, really, yeah. we we're like, well, who is he talking? You know, is there a ghost dad out there? What's going on here? You know, like what's, what's going on out there? But yeah, I think, you know, the other thing too, I want to point out too is, you know, obviously with Balde, I'm really excited for him and his progression because obviously mm-hmm. it seems Chavi is definitely going to use him more and push Alba more to the bench, which is a good thing. And I think the rotation between those two is vital because when Balde is in there, you know, I'm not looking for, the next Danny Alves. I just need someone to be fundamentally sound on defense, mm-hmm. cover mm-hmm. his tracks on counters, and just be a menace to those forwards to really chase them down. And that's what I get that sensation with Balde. I, I feel 
it feels comforting to know that he's able to recover most balls. I mean, there was a couple of chances today where he was in a foot race and he won them very easily. And that's such a nice luxury to have uh, yeah. that we really haven't had that in the last couple of years is because I was just not as fast as he once was. And that's just, you know, obviously with age. Yeah. Let's go to the next topic real quick, Craig, uh, about the youth, right? So we're really excited about the youth that Chavi has definitely kind of turned this into a youth project and youth players, you know, especially with Pedri, yeah. you know, Rahu and all these players coming in and I'll, and like Gabi getting more minutes than Frankie DeYoung, which I didn't really see coming uh, at the beginning of the season. I just thought Frankie DeYoung with his experience, you would kind of lean towards that. But, you know, in tonight's performance against Violet, Gabby looked really solid, made some really nice first touches. I mean, he was solid all around. How are you feeling? Are you, I know I know the answer, basically. You're mm -hmm. as excited as I am with this youth movement. Is this going to hurt at the end of the season, maybe putting these veteran players on the bench? Or do you think the competition is good and whoever's the best player at the moment is just going to get the playing time? Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I think... I don't want to temper any of the ball day enthusiasm, but I do have a slight concern that it's a squeezing tactic to get Albert to reduce his salary. And if he reduces his salary, there'll be a carry at the end of it. I hope not. I hope that, you know, ball day playing isn't, yeah, it, it isn't at the expense of, uh, of anything else. Um, Cause he's looked great. And I think, you know, refreshing the squad is what we need. I was actually thinking when the game was on today, you know, the average age of our defense, I think was 21 and a half. Um, quick shout out to Eric Garcia tonight, by the way. Brilliant again. Um, I really like him. Um, but you know, the defense defense was, I get it. I get he's not everyone's cup of tea, but he's, um, he's absolutely solid in my opinion, but well, let me, you know, let me, let me, let me stop you there because this is the thing. It's not that he is like, I don't think he's a horrendous player, but I just would rather see Arahu and, and Conde up the middle. That's my preference. And the other thing too, is I always love how people always say, well, he didn't do, he wasn't, he wasn't bad tonight you know they like in our whatsapp group people were saying yeah he, he wasn't bad and i just don't that shouldn't be the reference point of our barca defending you know what i'm saying and so that's why like he's just not my cup of tea that's it that's it. and that's fine and that's fine and i think if we get an out and out right back then i think you you have a point until we until then one of them unfortunately is going to play right back anyway separate conversation um so i think with the youth yeah very 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 young defense tonight if you look at pedri and gabby in the middle the gabby's an absolute warrior like he's just he would kick his granny if he thought the ball was there, wouldn't he? Like, he's just an absolute warrior, man. Pedri's incredible. We know that. And everywhere else is young. And I think what I really love about this squad, though, and this is the, the, the debate that we were kind of having in the off-season. Off-season. Off, off you're turning me American, man. This is what we were having in pre-season um, was the debate around you, like, bank on the youth. And I was trying to be a bit more of a... Um, a devil's advocate that said, yeah, but you need experience in places, right? And I know you weren't saying just go all in, but I think what we've got, if we've got strategically placed, very clever football veterans around, so we've got Lewandowski that can take a very young forward line and you can see it. He's scoring goals. And as the team is celebrating, he's given, he's given people advice. De Jong is older than his years. We'll see whether he stays, but he's a very clever footballer. But then you've got Sergi Busquets. We talked about speed. The best thing that has happened to Sergi Busquets this season, and I'd, don't want to go back to the conversation around will he have the most minutes because he won't. But the best thing that's happened to Sergio Busquets is, is we've put nine runners around him. And there is no one better in world football at playing in a 15-yard radius, winning a ball and passing it five yards. The problem with Sergio Busquets last year is he's having to do people's running and he can't do it. So we've got a spine of, yeah, you can actually say it's a spine, but you've certainly got a cohort of players, Alba, Pique, Sergio Roberto, Testegen, of people that can be the 
the um the stabilizing force in the squad around Solsi's young around all these youngsters, the balance is dare I say it, I don't want to get ahead of myself, the balance might be perfect in terms of re- reinventing your squad, refreshing it, revitalizing it, but not going all in to the point it becomes a massive risk because you don't have enough veterans in. It might be perfect. It might. It might. I also think with the boot yeah. thing, as we just talked about the speed, since we're not walking it up as much, we don't have to rely on Busquets in the exactly. attack and anything. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. And he can still, you know, he's basically, I still think he's going to leave the minutes, but we'll. we'll he, he, plays his, <laughs> he, he, plays his, he plays his best in a phone box. And yeah, 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 he, can sure. now, he, he can now do that. So, um, so yeah, I think what, what Xavi's been forced into, because I don't think all of it is deliberate. Um, mm-hmm. I think that would be giving the, the, the board and Xavi himself far too much credit. I think there's some things that have been kind of, necessity from carryover from last season as well. I think they've been forced to to revitalize in the right areas. I think that for me, I look at this team and I think in five years time, how many players will will we need to, you know, let's assume that let's assume that contract end dates weren't a thing. And let's assume that, you know, agents weren't a thing and people could get unsettled. But if you just take that out of the equation, in five years time, how many players would we need to refresh? Maybe a goalkeeper and another number nine at some point. But you know what? For the next two or three years, Lewandowski will still be one of the top five number nines in world football. It's perfect. Yes. And, you know, so far he's looked really good. And so good. I mean, with the, with the goal that he scored tonight, the first one, I mean, just, I mean, for me, it's like class, technique, uh, spacing, just understanding the ball movement. I mean, you know what's funny? I think he does he look really happy? I mean, he looks – I don't know if it's maybe because he, he might be able to express himself a little bit more here in Barcelona than he did in Bayern or something. But he looks like – I feel like he's out to prove something. But he also just looks really, really happy playing uh, for Barcelona. And I think it shows it because, you know, when he's scoring the goals and the play – and like you said, giving the instructions, I think it's it's a role that suits him kind of being such a veteran to these young players – and also, right. but he just looks really happy. I mean, I don't know what you've been seeing or what you think about, like, how he's been so far playing for Barcelona. I know you were always on the bandwagon. I was still kind of off a little bit. But, you know, hey, man, he's on Barcelona's and scoring goals. And I, you know, I can't be happier about that. Yeah, 100%. I mean, first thing, can we just talk about how under the radar beautiful he is? What a man. <laughs> what a man. Uh, I didn't realize. I've never watched a lot of Joe football, really. Like, so you never saw him in the Champions League when it was mega serious. But... Um, but yeah, happy absolutely. I think you get these, you get these players, don't you? You get where they get the moment, they get this moment in their career where they, their role changes. So I think for Benzema, Benzema being the Benzema being the one's got to pick up the weight for Madrid and score goals, right? Certainly while Vinicius develops, it's changed him. He's come out the shadows and he's flourished and he's great. You get different players through different times where they've got to step up and be someone. Messi, Messi, when he went from that. You're no longer a prodigy, son. You're now, you're now the man. Step up, and he yeah. did. Luis Suarez, redemption. That redemption arc he had to go on, incredible. And for some players, it's stepping up and being a leader and being a, a father figure or however you want to call it. And I think that's where Lewandowski probably is now. He's gone from being in a team of, like, as long as Muller was in that team, he was never going to be the most experienced, the most German, the because yeah. you know, you know, the, yeah, the, yeah. the most experienced in the Bundesliga. He was never going to be that player in that team. So what was he? He was kind of quote unquote just a goal scorer. It was incredible at it, but he was just a goal scorer. Whereas now his role is bigger than that. His role is he's kind of that 
I think you've almost got Testegen as the captain in, in, in the, the first third. You've got Lewandowski as the captain in the final third. And we've got Busquets in the middle at the minute. So he basically owns that part of the pitch. You know, like if, you, if we were to NFL locker room it, where the different position will go to their own room and, you know, the O-linemen aren't asked really about what the, you know, what the wide receivers are doing really. They're looking at their own position. Lewandowski can kind of take that role on at the front. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him wear an armband at some point in the season. And it mm. might be, I'm not going to say the making of him because he's one of the top two number nines in world football, top three probably. But I'm not saying the making of him, but it might be the thing that revitalizes him and takes him from another two or three years at the top to maybe another four or five years at the top. Yeah, that's the other thing too is I think, you know, now that I've kind of watched – because tonight was the first match I was able to watch live at real time and everything because the other two, since I was on the road, I watched them on replay and so forth. But maybe there's something to, you know, obviously the weather in Barcelona – it maybe give him more life with the legs. It's not going to be as cold as it is in Germany. Uh, the lifestyle in Barcelona compared to Munich, you know, that kind of thing. So maybe it does, you know, maybe he's more of a 32, 31-year-old rather than a 34-year-old. So we will see how he holds up for the rest of the season. But I, again, uh, the first goal was just something that, I mean. So good. I mean, you you wish you could do that, you know. <laughs> just every, you know? Everything, everything about it. But like, <laughs> have we... We haven't had movement like that, and it, it seems like recent history, but it's not. We haven't we haven't had movement like that since the first two or three years of Swans. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's exactly. just undefendable. I know, I know, and that's the thing is it, that again, it just tells you like when we were walking so much with Suarez and Messi, just the difference. And the last years I'm talking about because when Luis Suarez first came, he was so hungry to exactly. revamp his, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah his his profile basically of what happened in the world cup and everything and you know he was able to move and he was such a menace and so it's such a luxury to have that with Lewandowski because you know he's so clinical with the thing and obviously the second goal with the back heel he loves those back heels you know he loves them um is that a a shot or a pass what we saying i would say pass yeah i think so too yeah yeah but it's fine hey man i wish replays weren't a thing yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'd be telling my grandkids about that if it wasn't for the seven replays that have proved yeah yeah but a goal's a goal. And the other the other one too, you know, in the last two matches now, that's eight goals. Obviously with the Rio match mm-hmm. it ended up in zero zero tie. But again, you know, I think having all these different options on the bench is incredible, right? I mean, you look at the bench and that's what other team in the world has as deep of a bench right now if we just keep these players as is, right? You know, you have Memphis on the bench. So like if you need to press more up the middle you can add memphis into the team you know uh frankie de young's on the bench tonight you know he he came in kessie you know i love kessie because kessie yeah. yeah, is like you know like the keita you know like the closer that comes in like you know when he's coming in it's uh it's you know game set guillermo for the other team you know it's over it's, it's great, lights yeah, out it's you a, know it's, it's a great reference so it's such a vital part of what we like to, especially yeah. if we're going to have gavi pedri kids effectively in yeah. there they you know the fact he can come in and just he just bullies a mountain snuffs it out man yeah 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 and especially you know you if you're on the other team and it's it's already you know i think it was already three nothing at that point he comes in and you're just like oh my god this guy's in here now Mm. with his elbows his physicality i've already played 75 minutes and i have to play 15 more against this hungrier player now for barcelona like that's that's the worst nightmare the other thing i want to comment to is uh pedri obviously you, you know, you love him. I love him. Mm-hmm. But man, that goal tonight was just that I can't get over the two goals, right? With Lewandowski and Pedri's like, they make it look so easy. But technically, the class of both those goals is so easy to screw up. I mean, I was watching Nottingham and Tottenham earlier. 
Like it's the opposite, right? They had so many opportunities for goals, but the concentration you need to at this level to convert is so high. And Pedri's finish is just something beautiful. And I cannot stress this enough, Craig. If he starts to score goals, like 10 goals a season, he he's going to be something out of this world that we've never seen because most midfielders can't, you know, if they're on one end like Iniesta that can possess and dribble like that, they're not really known for goal scoring. But if Pedri can do both like that, that at this high level, man, it's – whoever scouted him, I mean – retire right like that should just you just be like i found better and that's it no more thank you done <laughs> you know yeah he's a, he's an absolute baller isn't he i think the, the goals just like if you were if you were to hold up an example and say you know what what do you want barca to do for me like those two goals would be pretty much pretty much there which is you play the right pass you play the right pass and you play it at the right time and sometimes that's long and sometimes that's short and it's always to an open man and you're not playing yourself into trouble and the movement is dynamic and the movement breaks play up and it breaks men up and it goes between lines and it isn't like playing Sabutio. And those two goals were there. And I think massive shout out to Dembele for just delaying the pass ever so slightly. That pass wasn't on until about half a second before he played it. And then it was the perfect pass. I mean, for again, I, I don't I don't mind going back over it for a guy who I slated so often in the past for making bad decisions. He looked like an intelligent footballer, and that pass was brilliant. It might only be like a nine, a nine ten yard pass, but it's perfect. Pedri's finish, incredible composure, which he lacked a bit when he first came in. He a bit rash, and maybe that's a sign of his confidence and his, a bit of faith. And I think I'm, I might be making this up, but I'm fairly sure that there was an interview for Chappie last season where he said, "I've told him to shoot more. I've told him that you know, if he's any of the box, stop trying to play hard passes instead of taking easy shots." And, you know, we can argue whether that was an easy shot tonight or not. But, you know, the shot the shot was on. So I think what we're seeing is just a culmination of lots of things coming together that they have to be have to be based on confidence, knowing knowing what you need to do and just getting in the right places at the right time to make life easy on yourself. And I think I just loved it. I absolutely loved it. And if that's the blueprint for the rest of the season, those two goals, sign me up, man, because it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful to watch. Yeah, the last thing I want to talk about is the fullbacks. And just to harp on that, you know, these first three matches have been in most enjoyable, most watchable matches that I can remember in a long time. You know, yeah. like I'm really excited to see the pace because, again, I love seeing the speed into the, into the space that is happening in the corners and obviously just seeing the conversion of the goals that we're able to do. You know, you know, we were tied with Real Sociedad 1-1 and then we just had an explosion. And then mm -hmm. as I talked with Mariana on Friday – you know, the Camp No has been waiting for a party. You know, it has been building it up. And tonight felt like that, you know, with four goals in total against Valladolid. And I just think, you know, Javi's really doing a good job trending this team. And I, mm -hmm. you know, going back to the Dembele thing, I just think, you know, not only Dembele, but he is making sure that the players know that there's consequences for not doing what he wants to do, right? And I think that's yeah. been lacking uh, the last couple of seasons. Like I said, the last thing I want to talk about is the fullback situation. You know, I feel more confident on the left back with Balde and Alba rotating. I'm okay with that. But the right situation is something that I think is, uh, is still an issue because as we saw tonight, Conde played right. We've seen Araujo play right as well. And I have made it very public that I'm okay with Sergio Roberto being the right back. I don't need someone to be attacking and being amazing on the attack. I'm more concerned mm – -hmm someone being able to pass out, cycle through, find the midfielder and go, right? And Sergio Roberto ticks all his boxes for me. 
He's mm-hmm. solid, you know, all around. So I think that he should be the right back. Do you think he should be the starting right back? Or do you like or do you prefer uh, with the experiments of Araujo and Conde on the right side? Yeah, so at the risk, I, I don't know what the religious equivalent of, of this is, but there must be one. At the, the risk of the wrath of my Sergio Roberto God, and I'll pay whatever penance I need to pay, Sergio <laughs> Roberto should be in our squad forever, but never should start for us unless we have injuries. Because he's, he's a Swiss army knife, but he's not good enough, to, I think, to hold down a start in place, in my opinion. Um, I think he's an exceptional person to cover off the bench in several different positions. But no, I wouldn't be comfortable with Sergio Roberto being the first, you know, the first right back on the team sheet every week. What I do think we we have, though, is I don't think we have a need for a permanent right back because I've seen this season and it could just be the way the games have played out. Might not be correct. It feels like we nominally have a back four that is never actually a back four is that it's nominally a back three because there's always a winger pushing on. And what, what we seem to have done a little bit better this season is actually make that a little bit more balanced. So we're effectively always playing a diagonal three because the, the one of the fullbacks at some point is, is pushed into that kind of four. And then we start getting we start getting that movement up, up, up front because we seem to get hit with long balls rather than slow passes of play that bring, that bring us back. So I'm, going, I'm rambling here, but the, what I'm trying to say is that I think what we're always going to see, in my opinion, unless we go and sign a right back, which I think would be a waste of money that we shouldn't do and don't need to do, is that I think we'll see a centre-back of some description fill in that position and, and we'll end up seeing them covering a lot more. I think the aim will be that, you know, if we have a right back go up, even if they're a centre-half, quote-unquote, they're all now mobile enough to do it, that we'll end up just playing with a with a fairly static kind of diagonal that, that moves almost in a cross shape if you look at heat maps. So I think we're okay. I think Araujo and Koundé, I would agree that they are both better as central defenders, but they're both very, very, very able, capable right backs. They're mobile. They can pass. I don't need them to get me 15 assists a season. I need them just to not make us concede goals like we have in the past and to and to keep play moving and be on option and be a cutback and recycle the ball and all that sort of stuff, pressure high. And they're doing that and more. And I think in Christensen and Garcia uh, and PK, because I think we need legs, let's not forget that we're going to have a run of games where shit gets cold and shit gets real and pitches get heavy and people get injured and people get suspended and all that sort of stuff. We play with a high line. That means yellow cards. That means we need more players to come in. That I think we'll see a little bit more of that. And I'm okay with that. And I think that if you were, if you were to just aggregate the ratings across the back four, as long as that rating collectively was high, I'm not really bothered which position people slot in because I think they can all do a job. I, with the exception of Christensen, who I don't think actually would do a job at fullback. I think Garcia could. don't think he'd be the best at it, but I think he could. I think Koundé and Araujo have shown they absolutely can. Sergio Roboto can absolutely cover that position. And we look solid on the left, I agree. So, uh, so yeah, I, I guess long story long, I don't think we need to sign another right-back. <laughs> and I don't think we need to have a starting right-back. We have a cohort of defenders that with the exception of PK, 38 games a season, can all come in and do a job whenever they're asked, is, is my opinion on it. And I'm I, I'm not I'm not clamouring for stability. I'm clamouring for lots of players that can do a job because that's really mm. what's going to win us titles. Yeah, I, I, I don't like that. <laughs> and I, get I, feel, I, feel, I feel nervous about that because the only, the only thing is it's going to show up in the big games. And that to me is vital to this season of success, right? It's not going to be the matches against via the lead because we can cover up those things. It's going to be the top four teams in La Liga and top champions teams, you know, because they are going to find that corner and exploit that corner like nothing before, right? They're just going to go after, go after, go after. Now, in those big matches, you could technically put out Ahu and he can cover that. But again, mm-hmm. uh, let's say he's injured. Then all of a sudden, 
next man up Conde. Okay, great. But now you're weaker up the middle, you know? So that's, that to me is why I'm, Obviously, I would say Sergio Roberto for me would be a better choice for right back during most of the season. And then for the big games, you slot in and put Arahu Conde and Eric, for example, you know, on using the middle to the right. Right. So, yeah, uh, I'm, not, I'm not I'm not against it. And I guess it's, you know, I, bet, I, I guess we're both making the same point in slightly different ways. Like what you're saying there is that we don't have a first choice right back. What you're saying is that we have a right back, a different right back starts depending on the circumstances and you rotate them around. I'm basically saying the same thing. I think. But I would but I would say Sergio Roberto starts. Ninety uh, percent of the matches, and those tough ten percent matches, you switch out and put a Rahu or Conde on the right shoot, side. Shoot, surely you'd want the player to be playing in the big games to have played a lot more football in that position rather than to be an alien to them, though, right? Uh, well, the thing is, for example, who do you feel more confident against Madrid and Vinicius? Do you feel Rahu for that one match or Sergio Roberto? I think it depends. I think it. I think it, I think you can make cases for both. It depends how you want to play. If we want to be a lot more solid at the back, you probably put Roberto in and tell him to stay still. If you want to be a bit more expansive and play quote unquote chavy football, then you probably put Kunde or Araujo there. I think it depends what you're trying to achieve. I think you know, we we should hopefully see. I mean, even against the big teams, we should expect to have more of the ball than them, which means that we shouldn't be fixated. But you know, to the to the point about Alba, really, if we start getting hung up on this is that one player's position, I'm not sure it helps us. I think the variety is actually probably quite good for us in the sense of it doesn't give other teams a chance to plan what we do. And I just think I'm a firm believer that the game should be to play your style of football and put the best player in the position to win the game. And I'm not sure, maybe it's at the keeper. I'm not sure you should ever have someone who was a guaranteed, this is my position and I don't do it. And then if you're going to then change that player for a bigger game, they probably shouldn't be there in the other games, right? So I see. I see your point. I I don't I don't agree with it. I mean, I, I mean, agree with mine, but <laughs> but this, but this is the thing, right? It's it's you know, I'm I'm always just extrapolating for elimination games, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, you have to do something uh, to adapt or to do something different because you know our style, like I always say, La Liga will win us eight to nine games in a row, basically, or nine out of ten. But in Champions, you know, in the in the in the knockout, that's all I care about. You know my feelings. I disagree. I disagree, right? Oh, because if, if if you think if you think that style A will win you the games against the best teams in European football, play that play that, play that style every week. No, no, no. I don't. I I don't. I I I says it a lot. He's like, if I could find a if I could find a way that I thought would win me knockout games, I'd play that in the league as well because I'm going to win it. Like, I don't believe that that's a thing. I don't. I, I think changing to a different style of play just confuses your own team more than the opposition. Have a style. Yeah, but come on. Get, 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 these, get people drilled. Yeah, but, get, but get come on. Play. These these players, these players aren't idiots. Like you think it's just one match when you when you scout, you know? Like we we, we always have this, this 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 discussion about champions and stuff. I feel like we always do this. But really quick, like I, you know, hey. I always just look at the scoreboard, man. You know, we had Messi in our style and three champions leagues, you know, like that's who else did we have? Yeah. A lot of time. Who else did we have a lot of time? Like we we regressed pretty quickly, man. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had we had some pretty ropey we had some pretty ropey luck in some of them years and then we regressed I know, mega, I know, and but... we regressed mega quickly yeah, I think the best thing that we can do right is that we can keep playing the football that we're playing with the sort of players that we've got with the rotation that we've got that'll keep that'll keep people fresh and hungry and we'll win and life will be all right we will see we will see we will, I mean we, we are we, you know we are you know we want the best and we want to win and that's why we critique like this you know because you have that's your it. ideas exactly, you know. And the thing is, 
like really quick, just to sign off on this, I just get so flustered about how many <laughs> Champions Leagues Madrid have because it just bothers me so much because it's not even a style, you know? And it reminds me always of when I was growing up playing football of what American coaches were always looking for, right? Physical, fast players, right? And just that's it. Like I, I specifically remember, Craig, one of my tryouts I had, they're like, you have to run two miles in 16 minutes. And I'm like, cool. Like you do in a match. Like what? <laughs> I mean, what does that even prove? You know, I couldn't run that. And I, to me, I, so it just bothers me. It just, it's like, it's, it's childhood trauma is what it is for me. You know, uh, Madrid and Madrid winning these, these champions league titles. And it just bothers but, me. But right. At the end of every year, one team can win, which means 19 teams are upset. If football's only about winning, you're going to get hurt more than you're going to be happy, man. Football's I know, got to be big. I know. Football's bigger than trophies. I know, it's I know. bigger than winning. Yeah, but it's the thing not, is... It's not it's, your win bonus. It's yeah, not your yeah, medal. But, it's not your Wikipedia page. Football's an entertainment business that makes us enjoy I know, something I know, that we all I believe know. in. Trophies, I know, trophies but are you a know, it's what, man. But, yeah, I know, but it's one thing if you are a Bayern fan, let's say, and Real Madrid wins, you're not irked as much. But when it's your arch rival winning, that's the other thing. Let me let me put this to you, right? right. And I've tried so hard because Celtic won nine 0 today. I've tried so hard not to many not to mention Celtic, but here we are. You've done this to me. It's your <laughs> fault. Celtic, I I can guarantee you, right? So Celtic won nine in a row again, second time, recently. Lost lost won the league last year. Won the, lost the one the year before that, so they didn't get the ten, mm-hmm. which would have been mm-hmm. a record in Scotland. Anyway, ask more Celtic fans. And they will tell you that despite the fact that it was an absolute cakewalk, that like five in a row, six in a row, seven in a row, it starts to mean very little. I had I have friends that had season tickets that stopped going. They were like, well, we're just gonna win. It's boring. Winning winning is good when you've earned it. Winning winning when you just win and all you know is winning and winning is everything. It becomes boring very quickly, and so that's a different perspective on it. And I think if you're a Bayern fan, brilliant. But how many how many times are you going to get up for a game against Freiburg when you know you're going to? No, no, no. I, I was just so, talking. I was just talking. I know. From and, 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 I know. I get it. I get it. And so yeah, winning, yeah. winning Champions League is amazing, right? Like Rome and Paris, absolutely exceptional. Wembley might be one of the happiest days of my life. But if you're if you're only living and dying by winning, which I'm not saying you are, but if you're only living and dying by winning, winning becomes a little bit hollow. And Celtic fans have shown that. Bayern fans have seen that. Man United in the 90s saw that a little bit, and now they just can't handle not winning. And all of a sudden, there's no fun in football for them. It has to be bigger. I know we've had this debate before. It has to be bigger. And I think that's why, if you look at our team now, just to tie a bow on it that brings it back to today, right now, do I am I more excited that we've won 4-0? Or am I more excited that I've been genuinely, like, 90 minutes has flown, We've got we've had some amazing football that I can watch. I would watch that game again tomorrow if it was on. That we've got young players that look like they're running for our badge and running for our shirt. If we'd have won that game one nil or nine nil, I'd have felt exactly the same. Same with this current Celtic side. The reason that winning is nice with this Celtic side is because it's dynamic, it's quick, it's an ama- it's amazing football actually. I think anyone who follows kind of Barca for its football should watch Celtic this season. Scottish football is dire. It is awful it is a charade half the time but the football that they're playing is amazing and it gets me off my feet winning is just something else and that's why i'm excited the four goals are fine if we'd have won one nil i'd have been just as happy playing the way we did tonight that's what's getting me excited about this team the prospect of winning the champions league brilliant if we you know what if we play that for 38 games plus whatever we do in europe and win no trophies any of the day, i won't care i'll have had a great year not bothered knockout games they come they go you win well, you lose it's fine 
Not bothered. If we play like that and entertain me, it looks like we're battling for a cause and it's the, the aim is to entertain and do what we should do with bravery and courage and valour and style and something that matters beyond just grinding out wins and winning a trophy. Give me that every day of the week. I want both. <laughs> and maybe, and you know what, maybe, maybe you'll get it. Pep did. Pep got it twice. I know. Where, where we I won know, trophies I with know, those trophies. But I you know. know but, that, but, that's, but this is the thing. Most won't. Winning for me is is about scoreboard, right? And that's all it's about for on the winning side of it, right? Obviously, you know, I'm a Barca fan. There's a reason why I'm a Barca fan. I love the style yeah, and all this stuff. You know, that's it. But on top of that, I just want to be able to scoreboard Champions League and trophies with my Madrid friends. That's That's really what it comes down to, you know? And that's one aspect of it. Obviously, I'm very hopeful about what the season is going to happen now with these first three matches under our belt, what we've seen, the progression of the the youth and how Chavi's taken this team and so forth. I mean, we're all on board and that's that's a really great sign. But again, I'm just always I just I just feel that with the champions luck that we've had recently, I just feel like we could have done one little thing here, the thing there to continue our run. And so that's that's why it just bothers me because especially in this last Champions League title uh, for Madrid against Liverpool, like I just, I, I just, I don't. I, it just irks me. It irks me. It just irks me. That's it. It just irks me, Craig. I can't explain and that's, and it, and, and that's, that's the thing, you know. And, and on fine, top but... of that, you know, so that's it, you know. I, I I'm obviously uh, optimistic, hopeful, everything about that th- this season, and and we'll see where you know where it takes us. So one one little throwaway point here. Sorry, you started, <laughs> I've, got it, I've got it on my screen. So it's Espanyol 1, Real Madrid 1 as we record this, right? Okay. I've got no idea who I want to lose more in this game. Nah. <laughs> I'm fine with a 1-1. One, one. Just if it's, if it stays imagine like that, it's being in that stadium right now. Yeah, like, I know. If, if there is such a thing as hell, I think it might be that. Let me, it might let me be, tell you. It might be that me, game right now. I, I still have yet to meet an Espanyol fan. I don't believe they exist. I don't believe so either because when I go to Barcelona, I never. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) I'm I'm being deadly serious. I have been living here now close to ten years. It's going to be ten years in two weeks. Okay, and I've met. I I just met this guy two weeks ago who was a Levante fan. Like you got to be kidding me, right? And I'm still not been able to see or meet an Espanol fan, which to me is just I like like you said. I don't. I think they're just uh, Twitter bots, you know, that are just. It's, it's like it's like being a Tory, though, isn't it? That's a bit of a UK reference. It's like being a Tory. No one admits it, but then come election day, they all turn out, don't they? Like that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, one, one, one. Yeah, a draw is probably a fair result. But my God, imagine yeah, yeah. you know we, we can wax lyrical about what it means to support Barca, but imagine supporting either of them too. My God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing. Well, Craig, always entertaining as always. Good to see Pleasure you. As always, we'll talk soon. Take care. Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.